Uh, I'm going to read John 3, verses 9 to 21 in the ESV version. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is a judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may, clearly, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Thank you, Rachel, for reading uh, that wonderful section of Scripture, which is uh, um, a great encouragement. I'll just move all the other people's things around here. But it's, it's also a section of Scripture which speaks so clearly of the love of God. And uh, the title of the message that we have this evening is, What Love Is This? And we live in a world which is struggling with the concept of love, a world where uh, some people have got some really crazy ideas as to what love is all about. And they, uh, they go out and they do various things, perhaps uh, um, uh, making uh, protests and so on about various things. And, and that's their concept of love. They just want to get their ideas out to make sure that people understand. And then, of course, there's, there's many people who just feel, you know, everybody just loves each other, which is great, and it's right, and it's proper. And, of course, there are those that just get caught up with romantic love, and it's one of the things that uh, is, is putting pressure on our society, the concept or the differential between erotic love and the love that we speak of here has been blurred, and we recognize um, that uh, this is the society in which uh, we live. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That's the love that God had for the world. That's the love that God has for us. A while ago I was reading of an account from a friend, and if you're uh, one of our uh, young people at JAM, you will have heard these uh, accounts before. But a friend of mine in the UK had contacted me and had said that a friend of his... They had gone up to their son's bedroom. He's just 21 years old. Hadn't heard from him, wondered where he was. And they found him hanging in his room. And he had taken his own life. And as they looked around, they found a note. And there were just three words on the note. That's all he left. No one cares. No one cares. Now, can you imagine how a mother would feel if she went and found a note like that? regarding her son because she loved him at least she felt everything had been 
good. And that was all that the young man could say. This was the reason that he says that he took his own life. No one cares. And you know what? That's how many people feel today. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about me. Uh, we live in a world in which social media, you know, people talk about having millions of friends and they're the loneliest people in the world. Because nobody cares for them. In prisons, in hospitals, in nursing homes, behind the closed doors of street after street, even in our own town, there in our community, perhaps even sat in this church tent this evening, there are people who feel the same. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares how I feel. And you might have been convinced that the pandemic that we're seeing in this country is all about something called COVID-19. No, the real pandemic that is taking place in this country is one of great loneliness, of great isolation that people face and people fear. The sense of loneliness of being unloved leads to awful despair. It leads to terrible depression. And it can lead to people taking their own lives. Because loneliness is one of the biggest issues that our society faces today. And strangely, at a time when, as I've said, the greatest of things taking place with social media, uh, that social interaction that comes along, and we have literally millions of people talking about their friends, and they go around talking about how many friends they have on social media, and yet they are desperately lonely. Of course, social media allows people to say the most terrible things that they want about other people. And we find that we live in a society now where people will openly say things on social media which are terribly hurtful, terribly unkind. Young women particularly are affected by this. We discover that uh, there are those that are afraid to go out because of what others are prepared to say. Behind a computer keyboard, but not face to face, there are some real cowards around today. But the three most revolutionary words that we ever hear spoken are these. God is love. This is what the Bible tells us. This is what we see and what we hear and what we understand. And those of us who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are able to experience it. Because we undeservingly have experienced the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And perhaps these words have become so familiar that they have lost some of the strength and the power that they should have. But these words tell us all what we need to know about drawing near to him, drawing near to God. A leading theologian was asked at his retirement dinner, what was the greatest thought that had ever crossed his mind in his career as a theologian and he thought for a moment and then he stood up and he said it's this and he used the words of a children's song he said Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so a song that all of us would know we've probably sung it as youngsters we sing it to our children we hear our Sunday school sing it and that was his answer and I thought what a great answer it was Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Now, it's staggeringly simple. 
but it's beyond our understanding. The truth that God, who heaven and the heaven of heavens can't contain, 1 Kings 8.27, loves us as individuals and knows every detail about our life. God weighs our motives and his penetrating gaze sees into our hearts and he knows the state of our hearts. He knows the desires of our hearts. And even though he knows all that, he still loves us. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now they say that a mother's love for her children cannot be shattered, cannot be broken. And there is truth in that, great truth. And a while back, talking to our uh, young people at JAM, I recounted the story that I had read of a woman, a mother, who absolutely loved her son. She and her son uh, lived in the U.S. in the last century, so the story is a little bit old. And she was in court when her son was found guilty of triple murder. He was found guilty of murdering three people. The mother knew that the situation was going to be grim. And before the sentence was passed, she had already petitioned the judge to ask that the death penalty would not be applied in this particular case. She asked that the judge would be merciful. But when the sentence was passed, the young man was indeed sentenced to death. But a mother with her love, she never gave up. There was determination in her heart and in her life. She wasn't going to give up on the life of her son. And so she began to write to anybody and everybody to try and to get an ear for them to hear what she had to say and to try and plead for clemency for her son, for mercy to be shown. She did everything that she could. She wrote to the state governor. She wrote to those that had authority, to those who had power, she even wrote to the president himself and she pleaded for the son, for the life of her son. She pleaded again for clemency, but all to no avail. And eventually her son, after all the appeals had been brought to the Supreme Court and to any court possible, he was put to death. And the woman was absolutely heartbroken. She had done everything that she could because she loved her son. And after the execution, she spoke to the prison governor and she asked if she could have the body of her son to bury him. And the prisoner, prison governor looked at her and said, Mom, I'm sorry, but the rules state that those who are executed are buried here in the prison grounds. I can't release his body to you. And again... She was devastated. A few months later, the woman died. She died of a broken heart. And in her last will and testament, she just made one request. She requested to be buried next to her son in the prison grounds. Now, the story doesn't tell me if that request was granted. But it does tell us about the persistence and indeed the forgiveness and it talks of a mother's love. 
But friends, God's love goes far, far deeper than this. God's love is never exhausted. It never comes to an end. God's love is everlasting. God's love is perfect. As the psalmist says, God is my refuge and my fortress. Psalm 91 verse 2. God's love is greater too than any earthly father's love. King David knew what it was to have rebellious children. One was guilty of murdering his half-brother and turning the hearts of the people against his father. This son even attempted to orchestrate a coup against his father, the king. But when David heard his son had been killed, he went into his room crying. And he said, oh, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place, 2 Samuel 18, verse 33. Now, David had not been a perfect father. But God, who is perfect, and despite having watched us rebel against him, he still cares for us with unlimited and unboundless love. God's love is also greater than the deepest of romantic love that we could ever imagine. Although there is nothing in us that God should admire, He still loves us. And His love does not alter or diminish or fade as so often our human earthly love does. We chop and change. We love something for one moment. We love some person for a moment. And then everything changes. But that is not how God is. And even our unterrible faithfulness towards Him does not change the depth of His love toward us. Nothing affects that. All of us. The Apostle John reminds us that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, to take the heat The one who takes the weight of our sin, 1 John 4.10. God's love is greater than charitable love. When the hearts of a nation are stirred because we see of perhaps famine in some part of the world, we see those terrible pictures of small children literally dying from starvation. And the hearts of a nation can be changed. And when that happens, we can see huge amounts of money being raised. Help for natural disasters, wherever they are in the world. We give, and most often with incredible generosity. But when the next opportunity comes to be self-indulgent, we easily forget the starving millions and we focus on ourselves. But that's not what God is like. He never forgets us. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. Do you realize that every time you read God's Word, the Bible, you read of a heavenly Father's love toward His children? And here we are in the section of Scripture that Rachel read so very, very well for us this evening. And she read that verse, John 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, 
but have everlasting life. That verse, it speaks of the love of God so clearly and the fact that He loves each and every one of us. And it goes on to say that He loves us so much that He sent His Son, His only Son. And then it talks about the fact that whoever, whoever, friends, that means you're included, every single one of us here, whoever. That's who you are, you're the whoever. Believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And the Apostle Paul goes on and says, Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 Paul also went on and stated, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8. So the question for us this evening is very simply, Have you opened your heart to God's love? Do you know the love of God in your heart? You see, the reality of God's infinite love is demonstrated not only in the coldness of print, but it's also in the warmth of God's expression to us, both now and since time has begun. Centuries ago, the whole nation of Israel turned its back on God. And this is recorded for us many times in the Scriptures. And there's one account that we have recorded for us here in a little book, a little prophecy at the end of the Old Testament called Hosea. It's one of those little prophecies that you struggle to find. We're not going to turn to it. I want you just to listen to the account uh, that is presented to us there in Hosea. A single preacher challenged the people to turn from their sin to the one who loved them. And then a strange series of events began. In fact, they're so strange we almost can't believe them because, again, they challenge us in our very understanding of love. The preacher was called Hosea. And he married a girl that God told him to marry. So he did the right thing. They had children together. But then Hosea's wife walked out on him. She left her husband. And she didn't leave him just for another man. But she left him for other men. Her name was Gomer. And Gomer took to the streets. And she became a prostitute. She sold herself. To whoever would pay. Now, we don't know how long this went on for, but eventually God speaks to Hosea and tells him to go and find Gomer. And he follows God's instruction. And he went everywhere searching to try and find her. He'd ask people, have you seen my wife? Can you imagine the things that were said to him? And eventually, he follows the lead and the lead sends him to the marketplace. And there she is. He finds her eventually. And she's disheveled, dirty. She has chains around her feet and her wrists. And she stood on the auctioneer's block because she's to be auctioned as a slave. And Hosea, her husband, she's deserted him. And he stood amongst the bidders. 
and he bids a high enough price to buy her back. You see, Goma was already his by rights. She was his wife. But now she is doubly his because he bought her. This was the undeserved love that her husband, Hosea, had for his wife. Now this incident was God's way of showing to the people of Israel in that day and to us in our day just how much he loves us. And friends, this evening, here's the thing. By right, we are already God's. By right, you already belong to God. Why? Because he made you. He loves you. We really belong to him. But sin has separated us from the love of God. And so when we come to him in repentance and we seek his forgiveness, it's as if we become doubly his. Because we already were in that sense. His son Jesus Christ died to pie us back to redeem us. So great was his love for us. So what about our sin? What does it mean to be a sinner? Friend, are you aware of just how serious your sin is? Are you aware of just how much God hates our sin? Somehow we've got ourselves into the idea that, you know, we're not too bad. And God can overcome the little things that we have in our lives. But, you know, I'm not too bad a person. But that's not the case. Sin is dreadful to God. He can't have sin in his presence. And so often in the scriptures we get those lovely words, but God. But God... He dealt with the problem of our sin. Out of love for a rebellious world, Christ came to die, paying this awful price for its redemption. In his life, Jesus identified himself with all the outcasts of society. He identified himself with the lepers, the ones he wasn't supposed to touch and the ones that he did touch. He related to the underdogs, and some of us can put our hands up and say, yes, and he relates to me. He related to those who were suffering. He related to those who were distressed. Jesus made himself available to those whose lives had been wrecked by sin. And here's the thing he still does today. You can't be too bad for God. The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ was God in human form. And when God became a man, he experienced human frailty, he experienced temptation, he experienced sorrow and suffering and even death. There was a young lad who, uh, let's have a drink a moment. He was a young boy and he always wanted a puppy. And he saw a sign that said, puppies for sale. So he went along to see the old man who was selling the puppies. And he watched in this big cardboard box all the little puppies doing the things that puppies do. And then he saw a little one at the back. It didn't move. It didn't 
move around the box like the others did. And he looked at the man and he said, Sir, I want the one at the back. And the old gentleman looked at the boy and said, Son, that one's not for sale. You'll never be able to have a relationship with that little puppy. You'll never be able to enjoy it because it's lame. It can't walk. Do you know what the little boy did? He lifted up his left trouser leg and he revealed an iron brace on his leg. And he said, Sir, I believe that puppy's for me because I'm lame as well and I can relate to that puppy and I'll be able to care for that puppy because I will be able to understand how it feels friends so too did Jesus identify with our weakness with our human frailty and he experienced all of its traumas even though no sin was found in him. Christ's greatest act of love was to die. You see, it wasn't the nails that held him to the tree, and we've sung in that hymn, and we spoke this morning about the fact that our sin is nailed to the tree. But it wasn't the nails that kept him there, nor was it the Roman guards who insisted that he stayed. It was his perfect love. For every man and woman and child. Yesterday, today and tomorrow. As Jesus died on the cross, the sin and the unloveliness of all humankind was laid on his suffering body. Peter explained it this way. He said, for Christ also suffered once for sins... The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. 1 Peter 3, verse 8. What does this mean? What does it all mean to us? It means that Christ loved us so much that he paid the price for all the wrong that was ever thought, said, and done. The sins of evil actions and wrong attitudes. The young man, just 21 years old, who took his own life, said, no one cares. You know what? He was wrong. Someone does care. Someone cares for each and every one of us. And the people in our world who are sad and spend their time feeling depressed, rejected, dejected, they need to hear that someone cares. And he cares for you right now. You see, the loving God who has provided a way for you to enjoy a living, loving, lasting relationship with him through Jesus Christ. You can know God and have him for an intimate friend who is even closer than a brother. He is also caring. He's loving. And he wants you to be part of his family because he cares for each and every one of us.
And all of this comes about when you respond to his love appropriately. In fact, Jesus commands all people to repent. That is to turn from whatever is wrong and to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it is then, having become a real Christian, a new creation, that one begins to experience the four-dimensional love that the Lord has for us. And the Bible talks about the breadth of God's love. God's love is as broad as humanity. Everyone is included. You are included. Perhaps you feel that you're just too evil. You know, if, if you knew what my mind was like, you would say, God can't intervene in my life. Why would he want to save me? And there are many people who feel that. But Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's us all. Therefore, you and I qualify. The length of God's love, it lasts forever. If you will trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you will be brought into an everlasting relationship that will take you through life and through death and all eternity. It doesn't take us long to realize that we deserve hell. In fact, sometimes it's harder to understand the mercy of God. But when you respond to the love of Christ by trusting in Him, there is a place reserved for you in heaven. Then we talk about the depth of God's love. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the best in heaven, stooped down to earth and came to the cross. He came to the tomb. However low you may feel that you have fallen or sunken, Jesus Christ will reach down to you. He will come to the guilty, to the self-important, to the backsliders, to the people who blaspheme, those who turn their back against God, those who say there is no God. He will come to you. Whoever you are, wherever you are, Christ will come to you and he'll never leave you unchanged as you repent of your sin and call out to him. He transforms you and he changes you and he makes you new. And then we talk about the height of God's love. Christ lifts a person up. He disposes of their past. He directs their present. And he delivers them from the fear of the future. We are reborn in Jesus Christ. So today, will you trust in Jesus Christ? Will you take him to be your savior, your friend, and your Lord? Friends, to neglect Christ's calling or to reject salvation that he brings is an absolute travesty and it's an abuse of his love. The consequences of bypassing Jesus Christ is incredibly costly. Beyond your imagination, Jesus has loved us and he's warned us more than any other about the day of judgment you see, the God who is altogether loving is also absolutely just. And what does that mean? It means that an unrepentant sinner must be punished. If you trample underfoot the Lord Jesus, putting him out of mind, continuing in your walking away from him, the Bible says there's punishment. And how tragic it is 
when Christ loves you so much and offers you everlasting joy. Look, we may not be able to understand all that is happening in our world or even all that's happening in our own lives. But there is one thing we can understand and there is one thing that we do have which is absolutely certain. And it's this, God loves you. What will you do with his love? You've rejected it already and you could carry on and reject it for the rest of your life. But he still calls to you. Or you could respond to his love. You could ask Christ to forgive you. To live within you. If you know that God has been speaking to you and you're aware of your need for him, then this evening call to him. Pray to him. Let's pray now. Our Lord God, I confess that I have sinned in thought and word and deed. I want to turn from my sin to believe in your Son, Jesus, that he died for me and rose from the dead. Please forgive me and take control of my life. I want to serve you. I want the best in my life that you have for me. I want assurance that one day when I pass from this life into the next, I will pass into your kingdom, into heaven, to be with you for all eternity. Thank you for hearing my prayer. I ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.